June 10th, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf'ayin Gimal Amud Bet. We're basically in the middle of the page, I think if you count from the bottom, it's about 19 lines up, just a few words, three words onto the line. Let's return to that statement and finish it and then go ahead. So, said the Gemara, citing from the Beraita earlier, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Afha Omeret Hanichulo Shelo Yahargenna. If you recall Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, of course he's disagreeing with the Hachamim, is if in a circumstance where a woman is about to be raped and she says to the person who might save her from that rape, in other words, the individual who's approaching her, says, leave him alone. I'm nervous that if you attack him, the rapist, he'll kill me. In such a circumstance, says Rabbi Uda, you don't and may not kill the rapist. That's his opinion. The Gemara will try to understand what was the rationale. Of course, according to the Hachamim who disagree with Rabbi Uda, you don't listen to her in such a circumstance. If the fellow, if the man is after her to rape her, you kill that man. Says the Gemara, Bemaika miflage. Miflage, peleg means half. What is dividing Rabbi Udan Chachamim? What are they really disagreeing about? Amar Rava b'makpedet al pigma. Says Rava, first and foremost, you have to understand the circumstances. The woman is makpedet. Lahakpid means to care about something. She cares about her pegam. In other words, this is not a consensual relations. She's about to be raped, and she doesn't want to be raped. So even though she's saying, quite clearly, leave him to do this, it's not because she's interested in it. She doesn't want pigam. She doesn't want to be uh, having relations with him. It's going to and is considered rape. However, nonetheless, Nonetheless, her claim and her, her request is, leave him alone because I fear for my own life. Again, if it were to be consensual, then you're certainly not killing anyone in this circumstance. The only time and circumstance wherein you kill the man who's going after that woman is if it's and if it's makpedet al al pegimatav. There's going to be a pegam. If there won't be a pegam, although we'll judge them in court by putting them to death, each with hanek, depending on the circumstance, you may not, as the person who sees it happening or knows it's about to happen, you may not in, in, intervene. Well, that being the case, what's the mahlok between Hachamim and Rabbi Uda? How come Rabbi Uda claims in such a circumstance where she yells out, leave him alone, I fear for my life, you can't touch him, according to the Hachamim, you can and must touch him, must kill him. Rabbanan savre apigma kapid rahmana vahare makpedet al pigma. Says the Gemara, according to the Hachamim, ultimately speaking, when we read the Torah, when we understand its messaging, it goes as follows. The Torah is nervous and fears and cares about her pegam, the blemish, the lasting blemish that is left with a woman who is raped. And as a result, since we know this is not consensual, you don't leave the man alone. But she says to leave him alone. Who cares? The Torah cares about the pegam, about the lingering blemish which is left on this woman. And as a result, say the hachamim, I don't care what she says. Ultimately speaking, is there a pegam? Is she consensually involved? If the answer is no, you kill the man. So why does Rabbi Yehuda disagree? Rabbi Yehuda savar, Rabbi Yehuda. Haideka amar rahmana katle, says Rabbi Yehuda, although the Torah does fear and care about the pegam, the blemish that's left with this woman after rape, the ultimate and specific reason why the Torah tells us that to kill or permits for us or demands that we kill the man in a circumstance of rape is only because 
that which the Torah tells us to kill him, is because we assume that in the circumstance where he's attacking her for rape, she would fight back, she might fight back, and in, as a result, she'll get killed. She doesn't want to be raped. And you watching this understand the Torah says that she's going to end up getting killed because she's going to fight back against this. That's why the Torah says that you killed the rapist. Not per se because of the rape, which is terrible, and will judge him to, uh, disfavorably, and will perhaps put him to death afterwards and so forth. However, specifically the reason you, as a non-judge, outside of court, seeing this transpire, are allowed to get involved, are supposed to get involved, is because it might lead to death. Now, it sounds jarring, the statement of Rabbi Uda, but I'm not certain it is so jarring. It, what's that? So, shouldn't you save her anyway? So that's what I'm going to try to contextualize a bit. Imagine this in today's day and age. There are circumstances in today's day and age where I'd hope that the bystander, if a person realizes something's about to take place, would get involved physically. If you heard about, or you, you hear someone barge into the door next door to your home and, and you, you hear what's going on, and you have the ability to intervene, perhaps through the window, shoot at, I think you're going to get involved. You know there's a death threat. Alternatively, if you know someone barged in next door, and it's very malicious and terrible in intent, but ultimately speaking, you're aware that this is about rape, this isn't about killing, you're probably, I could be wrong, going to call the police. You're probably in such a circumstance going to understand I need to be involved, but not to the extent that you, but I might be wrong, I mean, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm misappraising, are going to feel that it's absolutely necessary to kill this man. Now again, the Torah is envisioning this as a circumstance of saving from sin as well. But the specific situation needs to be, says Rabbi Yehuda, that it's because and only because this will be imperiling her life. If it's not imperiling her life, although you should be saving her, although you must get involved, you're not taking another person's life. And as a result, if she says, leave him alone, so that he won't kill me, it means she's not going to put up a fight. It means it's terrible what's taking place. It means, of course, try to prevent it, but don't kill him. Because ultimately speaking, there's clearly no threat to her life. Ha la masra nafshaliktala. Hachamim disagree. Hachamim, Hachamim's claim is it's not about the death threat to her life, it's about the blemish. The blemish, and only the blemish is the reason for this. Says the Gemara, lastly, just finishing, we, we discussed all that yesterday, Rav Papa just questions the logic of the rabbis, of the hachamim. So Rav Papa speaking to Abaye, it's not a claim against Abaye. Abaye has not been a player in this. He's just questioning, wants to understand, based on what Rava explained to us, it seems to be the underlying logic of the hachamim, that hachamim are nervous specifically about, and they fear the blemish, the pegam. Oh, wait a second, there is pegam in other circumstances where the Torah, where the rabbis interpreting the Torah told us you don't kill in order to prevent. If you recall, we saw it at the end of the uh, Beraita, at the bottom of Dafa'im Gimala Mudalef, Almanale Kohen Gadol. Each of those circumstances are horrible and terrible. It's prohibited from the Torah. The Pesukim in the Torah say, Kohen Gadol can't be involved with an Almana. He's running after one to rape her. Kohen uh, Hedyot, a regular Kohen, can't get involved with relations with a Gerushah, with a divorcee, with a Halutzah. What's that? Why not? There certainly is a Pegam. That's going to be the question, as a matter of fact. 
I don't want to break this one to you, but I'm going to tell you that in such a circumstance, the woman becomes a halala, and her child is a halal. Then if there's a blemish there. It is a blemish. It's a rape, which leaves, with, leaves the woman and her child with a blemish. As a result, the claim is, There is a pigam in such a circumstance. There is a lasting blemish. With regards, now she certainly wasn't a, uh, she's an almana, she wasn't a uh, virgin, so there's not a lasting blemish in the physical sense that now she lost her virginity and she doesn't have the same status in the eyes of others, so it's not that. Not, according to the hachamim, it's not about the fighting back. Explain, according to the bihuda, if she's not makpedet al pigma, or she is fighting. Correct. So Judah just points out on the flip side, according to Biuda, <coughs> where the Gemara was telling us that according to the Biuda, the fundamental was that she's fearing for her life, or we fear for her life, and she's going to be fighting back. So he says, how come we didn't? How come we distinguished between Almanal Kohen Gadol? And do you understand the question? If ultimately speaking, the fear is she's going to be fighting against this, so the answer has to be to your question, Judah, is that even according to the Biuda, there has to be a coupling. In other words, it's not just the, the danger to her life, it's the danger to her life because we assume she'll fight back in a circumstance of Pegam. It has to be like that. But according to the Hachamim, where it appears to all be about the Pegam, that we're willing to tell the person to pull the trigger just for the Pegam, there's Pegam and Almanal Kohen Gadol as well, says the Gemara. Amar le Abaye responds to Rav Papa, a pigma rabba kapid rahmana, a pigma zuta la kapid rahmana. The differences between rabba and zuta. Rabba means great. Zuta means small. There's a difference between a uh, who has relations or is raped by a man. In such a circumstance, she's considered what's called zona, according to the status of the Torah, and her child is considered, in most circumstances, a mamzer, in terms of status, in terms of uh, persona non grata circumstance, in terms of being left out of the action. She and her child are very much left out of the action. As a result, we look at that circumstance and say, that's pegam that's a great blemish. It's not to diminish, but it's to contrast to a circumstance of It's true the woman now is prohibited to Kohanim, who are all wonderful people. It's true that her child now is Nifsala Kehuna, and we feel bad for him. But ultimately speaking, it's not the same as Mamzer. Ultimately speaking, the status may have diminished, may have excluded she and he from specific involvements with Kehuna, but it's not an altogether exclusion as a result. Says the Gemara for Hachamim, says Abaye for Hachamim, it's specifically for Pigam Rabbah that the Torah says Matzilin Benafsho. That's not to say that if there's not the rape which is committed and it's in wrongful circumstances that we won't judge him to death afterwards. It's that in the moment that it's taking place, you and I are not commanded or even permitted to be involved in killing the person who's running after. That being the case, the Gemara now goes on to another issue. Now this other issue can be, if not focused on initially, confusing. If initially we grasp it, it's not confusing at all, it's actually very enriching. But here's how it goes. If you recall what we saw earlier on Dafa'in Gimala Mudalif at the bottom, um, leading into Dafa'in Gimala Mudbet, our Amud, was the following halacha. That with regards to specific women, 
We refer to the women as Hidemitot Betin and Kiritot. Those are the liabilities that the Torah mentions, Parashat Haremot and Parashat Kedoshim, the family members, the wrongful, the Eshetish, the situations in which man and woman have relations and as a result, liability to death penalty, either from heaven or from, from courts of human beings. In those situations, if there's a person going after another, if there's a man running after a woman in order to rape her, we kill him in order to prevent that sin from taking place. That was the statement. Now, that being the statement, let's understand for a moment um, uh, another halakha. The other halakha is mentioned in the Mishnah at the very beginning of the third Perek in Masechet Ketubot, which the Gemara will begin with uh, in, in just a moment. And it goes as follows. If a person were to rape a woman, the Torah prescribes the punishment. Punishment is twofold. Number one, he has to pay. Let's assume the woman is pinuya. She's not married for a moment. Let's imagine the woman is, is, is not married. And as a result, you pay to her father 50 uh, silver coins. Hamishim kesef, that's what the Torah says. Additionally, Additionally, and it sounds a little funny, of course, in today's day and age. Now, the man is compelled, should the woman want it, to marry this woman. Sounds ridiculous. That's the uh, punishment. That's what we do as a result. But in a time and age where women's rights were much more diminished than today. Forget about 21st century rights. I mean, this hasn't been for thousands of years, the reality. Where a woman, as a result of that rape, would now be the social pariah. Nobody's interested in her and she'll never get married. She'd rather have the safety and security of being married to this man. The relationships were not as deep and as enduring as they are today. That was the punishment. Okay, that's the, uh, those are the two backgrounds. Lastly, Says the Mishnah at the beginning of here, so we'll look at it together, uh, several lines from the bottom, Uriminhu, and then we'll place together, understand why this is here. The following young women are under the list of those that the Torah would say if, if uh, raped, if there was honest, if they were raped. The man has to pay a kenas, and the first one and most relevant one to us in terms of Hidush is Habba al Ahoto person who has relations who rapes his sister. Terrible thing to think about. However, that's the halakha, he has to pay 50 silver coins. Wait a second. What's that? To his sister, to his father, because of his sister. Correct. Now, let's pause for a second and understand. That's why the father got it, because she's a na'ara. Now, that being the case here, here's what needs to be understood. Locally, within that Mishnah, the Hidush goes as follows. Even though the brother now cannot and will not get married to her, Veloti Elisha is not going to be the reality. Just because you raped your sister, terrible thought. It doesn't now ensure or assure you that you're getting, you can't get married to her. You can't have further relations. Nonetheless, you have to pay Kenaz, you have to pay the penalty. That's the Hidush of the Mishnah over there. We, for our purposes, have an altogether issue. The altogether other issue goes as follows. Think for a moment, I'm sorry to give you the scene, of a brother racing after his sister to rape her, and you watch that transpiring. You say to yourself, I'm supposed to be killing him. He is liable to death penalty by you in that moment. Forget about after the act. That's Hive Kiritot. That's, that's ABCs of Karet, of a circumstance in which the man is going after a woman to rape her. As a result, we saw in our Mishnah, in our Beraita, in Amud Aleph, the Halakha is you kill him. Matzilino Tobinavshor, Matzilino Tabinavshor, whatever the wording is, you're killing him in such a circumstance. Which means, last stage over here, as you look at that, 
terrible thought, young man, old man, racing after the young woman to rape her, he has, with your halakha lenses on, a big bullseye on his head. He's just a pile of blood in your eyes. He's not a living organism. He's dead. He's a dead man walking. As a result, you're allowed to kill him. Hold that thought, Charles. You're 10 lines ahead of me in the Gemara. Right now, she's unblemished. She's a sister of his. And he's running after. As a result, you're allowed to kill him. And in the moment that he's racing after her, any, here's the last step, monetary liabilities that he may have had should be null and void. That's what we've established. Remember the halakha? We mentioned it more than once. The specific terminology goes, kam le We give the individual the higher of the two or more liabilities or punishments that are at, sta- are at hand. Which means to say, my classic example again, there's the fight of the two individuals. One kills the other. The family now claims we want you to pl- pay for not, not only with your life, but we want you to pay the dry cleaner's bills. You want to pay dry cleaner's bills? Bill, I, pl- I paid with my life. Come live with the rabbi. In this circumstance, this guy is punishable by me. I'm a human being. I can put a bullet in his head. In the moment that he is unfortunately raping his sister, he's liable to death penalty by me. Not by God, and God as well, once he commits the sin, but by me. We should say, therefore, last line, I promise, we should say, therefore, that he shouldn't be liable to pay Kenas. He shouldn't have to pay the 50 coins to his sister, to his father. What's that? How do you say that? I mean, the Gemara does suggest that. Why do you say that? I, I, t- t- once the chase is done, he's about, he's in the midst of doing the act. He's not liable to death penalty. Okay, okay, you're okay, you're in the first line of the Gemara. Okay, so hold, hold the thought. The Gemara will say it, maybe a little sharper than you're even going. Maybe you're going to say it sharply, I don't know. But that's exactly the direction of the Gemara, at least in the initial reaction. So again, that's the question. One more time, and the Gemara is very, very satum on this. You need all the background in order to, to grasp it. Ur means we're asking a contradiction. Period. That's the end of the question. The Gemara never fleshes out exactly what we're asking. I'm telling you, that's the question. The question that's being asked here is, why does Haba al Ahoto, a brother who has relations with his sister, have to pay money? We should say, Matilino to The terminology again is, Kamle bidrabamine. He has uh, the stronger uh, punishment, which is death penalty, even though he ultimately speaking doesn't get killed, because he's paying the money afterwards, but he was liable to death penalty in the moment. We have that principle uh, known as Tanad irrespective of whether he actually gets killed. We say, There's no Hiluk between Shogeg and Mezi. It says the Gemara, Amruha Rabbanan Hasta. The rabbis in front of Rab Hasta explained this. They suggested an answer. Mishaat ha'ara'a de pagma iftar la miktala mamona la meshalem. Ad gemar This is the suggestion I think Judah was leading us to. I'm going to explain it based on Rashi. We can on another occasion talk about Tosafot's approach, which is a nuanced difference, a significant one, but uh, let's leave it with Rashi for now. So it goes as follows. The statement goes as follows. Mishiat ha'ara'a. Ha'ara'a is loosely translated as penetration. Penetration in this context we're referring to as nishikat ever. Nishikat ever means the beginning, just the touching of the male ever to the woman's ever. In such a circumstance, there's already something that took place. There's a physical contact. 
That at that moment of the physical contact, Mishat Ha'ara'ah de Pagma, the second there was a physical contact, blemish was affected. The woman is forever blemished. He touched her. She's no longer what she was earlier. She, as a result, has a blemish attached to her. We consider it rape already in that moment. And therefore, you can no longer kill him. Iftar la miktala. You can no longer kill the man. Why? Because he's already blemished her. If you recall, we saw at the bottom of Dafa'in Gimalamud Aleph, remember, if you were, if you were uh, you raped her and then Hazar and you raped her again, you can't save her any longer. It's a terrible thought, it's a terrible circumstance. If he's on the way and he's about to do it, once he did it, you can no longer kill him. Ah, if you can no longer, but when was he liable to money? Maybe it's at the same moment. No, the liability for money only takes place. Mamonala Meshalem, money, Mamon, Lo Meshalem, is only paid Ad Gemar until he finishes, we refer to that as Hachnasat Atara. Atara, of course, referring to the male Ever. And Hachnasat Atara means once it enters. Why is it once it enters? In other words, a further penetration, let's call it. Why is it only once it enters? Because at that moment, there's what's called Hasharat Betulim. That's when she loses her physical virginity. And for that reason, and in that moment, we make him liable to 50 uh, silver coins, which means to say they don't line up in the same moment. I know it sounds very technical, and it is very technical. You'll, you'll rest assured, even Jared would, you'll rest assured that ultimately speaking, we're, being, we're giving severity to the guy for these technicalities. We're not saving anything. We're hurting things on the guy, right? We're saying to the guy now, listen, you were liable to death penalty until that moment. From that moment, Moment onward, uh, you were no longer in danger of your life. Uh, it's a good question. I, I, it's, we're dealing with generally speaking, especially Lo'alenu in a rape circumstance, seconds. So it means up until you can take him out. Once it's involved, you don't really have a chance any longer. But the, that split second makes all the difference. It's why we're making him liable to pay. That's the. Hmm? Because, because she still has bitulim, she still has virginity. And if she still has virginity, no, there is pigam, but there's no, but there's still virginity. Pigam is not defined per se by virginity. You can have pigam. That's the Gemara's suggestion. She has to pay the money and then you take it to court after that? Correct. You, you, could, you do them both in court. That's right. That's right. You can no longer do it on your own. Absolutely. They'll sentence him to death and they'll make him pay. Yeah. So it says the Gemara, that, that's a nice answer, it won't work according to everyone. This is all fine and understood, terribly understood, but understood. If our assumption, and this is a larger conversation in Masechet Yevamot, about how to define generally speaking when the Torah talks about Ha'ara'ah, the Torah talks about it, era, and Torah talks about in two contexts, Ha'ara'ah, this penetration business, the question is liability. In the halakha legal system, what's the definition of initial penetration. So one opinion is nishika, nishikat ever, the initial touching. That's what we've been working with. And we said as a result, we can distill first moment and second moment. It might be seconds apart, Robbie, but ultimately speaking, we distinguish death penalty and then you're into my financial zone. There is another opinion who maintains that the initial touching, what we call nishika, is insignificant in the court of law of Judaism. And as, not insignificant, it's terrible, but in terms of legal liabilities, it's insignificant. As a result, everything's happening at once, right? In such a circumstance, if is the moment at which we say there's penetration and there's now pegam, 
Well, it means that's the same moment as well that she's losing her virginity and in turn there's a financial liability. As a result, she should be, he should be patur from having to pay money. We should say, come In other words, the Gemara suggests it's a great answer Judah gave us, but it'll only work if I argue one of the two mainstream famous opinions with regards to what Ha'ara is. And as a result, we would rather not pigeonhole this statement in Masechet Ketubot of Elu Kenas to one opinion. We'd like it to work according to all opinions. We'll search for other answers. The Gemara will now suggest several other answers. What we need to keep in mind is the question. The question is, why is Haba al Ahoto Hayav Kenas? Why don't we say over there that since I can kill him, you can kill him, we can all kill him. He's got a bullet on his head. He shouldn't be liable. Next answer says the Gemara. Again, Another terrible, horrible circumstance to think about, but ultimately speaking, for our purposes, it'll be an explanation as to when the man who rapes his sister will be liable to paying. How can you find such a situation? The same moment that he's liable to the financial um, obligations, he's liable for death penalty. Not so. Why not so? Because we can imagine terribly that the initial act, or there was an initial act, and that was which means in such a circumstance where the the relations are backward relations, aren't with the penetration in the regular fashion, well, in such a circumstance, there's no because there's no Hasharat betulim, she's still a virgin in biashe lo kedarka. However, there is pegam for a woman to be raped. Biashe lo kedarka, there's still pegam. Death penalty as a result will be moved off the table. If the man has, Rabbi will ask us how we know, I don't know, we walked in terribly and we heard, we understand, whatever. The man has already raped her. Biashe lo kedarka, you can no longer attack him. You can attack him and beat him up, but you can't kill him any longer. Why not? There's Pegam already committed. Now he, unfortunately, is mi'anis. He rapes her. Now he takes out her virginity in such a circumstance. That's where he's liable for the financial payment. You understand? The second answer over here in the Gemara, Rav Hasta makes up an extra detail. He says, what's the Mishnah talking about in Masechi Kitubot? There must be, there were two actions. First action was, Biyashe lo kedarka, Hiyuv mita, everything leading up and until, Hiyuv mita, once he committed that, it's already ne'evda ba'avera, it's already a circumstance in which his death penalty will be applicable from court, but we can't kill him any longer, there's no longer pigam. The financial, the Hiyuv mamon, the Hiyuv kenas, only takes place in the place in the kedarka. Absolutely, under all circumstances, we will still stop him. You just can't kill him. Says the Gemara, next answer. No, the Hayyuf Kenas, because now she's not a Betula. The Hamishim Kesef that the Torah says is because she's not a Betula. That's the Hidush locally. The reason, the st- even though he can't get married to her, he still pays kenas. When you, still, when you could get married in a terrible circumstance of a rape not to your sister, you for sure pay kenas. You have both liabilities. 
Says the Gemara onward, uh, uh, third answer. Rava Amar Perhaps the circumstance of the Mishnah and Masa, the context, the Ukimta, the Mishnah and Masechi Ketubot there on Dafkavtet, is a circumstance, a situation where the woman says, Don't touch him, I don't want him to kill me, and we're following the opinion of Rabbi Uda. We started the day with Rabbi Uda. What did Rabbi Uda tell us? In such a situation, we don't touch him. In such a situation, we're not allowed to kill him. Terrible circumstance, horrible situation. However, we're not allowed to kill him. Why not? We saw the reason of Rabbi Uda, because ultimately speaking, we're fearing for her life. But if she says, don't touch him, it means he's got no bullet on his head, according to Rabbi Uda. If he has no bullet on his head, so then, of course, he has to pay the money. There's no reason to say that. He doesn't have to pay the money. Third answer of the Gemara. Fourth answer of the Gemara. Rav Papa Amar Bemefuta Vedivre Hakol. Rav Papa says, perhaps the circumstance of Haba Lachoto is not a regular situation of rape. It's rather a circumstance where she was enticed into this rape. It's pitui. Lefatot means to entice the woman, to seduce her. That's the right word. To seduce her. If she was seduced, as terrible and as horrible as it is, it's not rape to the extent that we will kill him, however he still has to pay. Pitui still has a, a payment, but we, he's not, he's not the Matsilim uh, Benafshul. Since it's not a rape where there's going to be pegam, why is it not going to be the same pegam? Because she was seduced. Somewhat consensual. It's not consensual to the extent that we say he doesn't have to pay money. If it was mamash, cons- if it was mamash consensual, then he doesn't need to pay money. The Torah says, I want to say the Torah is both honest and, and pitui, you have to pay. However, in terms of death penalty, we don't say there's going to be a full-fledged pigam. It's still going to be blemished for her. She's still going to have to walk around and everyone's going to know he seduced her and so forth. But it's not pigam on the level that he's liable to death penalty. And therefore, now we understand the Mishnah. Why does he have to pay in Habal Because it was a situation where, even according to the Hachamim, he wasn't liable to death. It was mefuta abaye amar lehasil The next and last answer of the Gemara is abayez. Abayez says perhaps the situation is we'll talk about that in a second who Rabbi is but first the concept the concept I referred to several times already we've discussed it on more than one occasion it goes as follows let's do the regular situations on the Mish- in the Mishnah on the top of the last page what was the Mishnah there's a fellow who's running after another person to kill him you see it you see that on Ocean Parkway you see it on uh, Avenue U the guy's racing after the other person and now I have a split second to figure out what to do. I'm close enough to the person, I can dive at his legs, pull him down, and crack him in, in half. In such a circumstance, I could do that. Alternatively, I could turn to the, to the person next to me, because I don't know how to handle a gun, who's holding onto the gun, and say, put a bullet in his head. We're, both able, we're able to do both, and I'm aware and understanding, and everyone is that I can do both. What is my responsibility? You may not kill him. Why not? The guy's a dead man racing. He's not a dead man walking if you can take him out and prevent the sin in another way. That being the case, the suggestion, that, that statement in Masechi Ketubot is only and specifically where you were able to save him without killing him. If you're able to save him without killing him, there's no bullet on his head. There might be a bullet on his legs, a bullet on his arm, bullet wherever else on his body. But since you're not allowed to kill him, that's why he has to pay the money. There's no reason to say he's exempt from paying the money because he was liable to death. He wasn't liable to death penalty. Why is he not liable to death penalty? After the fact, he certainly will. In the moment, nobody was allowed to kill him. 
because we were able to save him be'ehad with one of evarav. Evarav means his limbs. Okay, now the Gemara says, and that would be following the opinion of Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul. Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul will now be filled out in this Beraita. Let's read the beginning of it. We'll talk about what it says afterwards outside and we'll conclude it or finish it on Mondays. Detanya, the Beraita tells us Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul Omer. Statement of Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul. What a name. It's not Yonatan ben Shaul of the Torah. His name was Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul. I mean, he literally has the same name as Yonatan, the son of Shaul. Uh, anyway, I always like that. My brother's name is David Yonatan. I love that one as well. I'm Abraham Eliezer. I think that one's fantastic as well. Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul. Anyway, Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul Omer, Rodef, Shahaya Rodef, Ahar Havero, Lehorgo, Viachol, Hatzilo, Beechad, Mevara, Velohitzil. What if, in that situation where I saw the guy in Avenue U and I said, I could take him out? Everybody sees it. I'm stronger than him, I could break his leg, I could shoot his leg, but I don't. I put a bullet in his head instead. I get killed. I get killed. I was saving the guy. You were saving the guy, but you acted wrongfully. Well, what do you mean? You should have thought better about this. And that's the statement of Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul. The Gemara goes on to explain how he learns this. I'm going to tell it to you outside, and we'll read it inside on Monday. It goes as follows. The Torah and Parashat Mishpatim tells the following situation. It talks about the Chin Natsu Anashim. There's two men who are fighting with one another. And one of two circumstances take place. Either a woman who's pregnant walks into the middle, and as they're fighting, they strike the baby. One of them strikes the baby, or you know, what's inside of the woman, and the babies come out, and she, she's aborted, and, she, she, and the babies die in such a circumstance. You pay, the person who struck the baby pays money for that. Case number one. Case number two says the Torah, if I didn't strike the babies, I rather struck the lady, and the lady dies, and I'm liable to death penalty. That's, that's what's clear from the Torah. Clearly, my intention as I'm fighting with this guy is to kill the guy as is the guy to me, right? Because otherwise, if I struck the woman, we'll say it's shogig. I didn't have intention to kill. The fact that I killed anyone means I had intention to kill. Oh, well, that being the case, says Rabbi Yonatan let's understand the situation again. The circumstances, there's two men fighting. If one were to kill anyone, whether the woman or the other man, what's the liability? Death penalty. Clearly the intention is to kill. What are each of these men wearing on their head? Each of them are wearing on their head a big bullseye. Each of them are dead men walking. They're in the middle of a fight in which their intention is to kill. Both of them are And nonetheless, what does the Torah say? Torah says that if you don't kill the woman, you rather kill the fetus, you rather damage the children that are internal, you pay. Why are you paying? I had a bullet on my head. Clearly says Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul, the circumstance must be that I could have been killed, uh, taken out in another way, stopped in another way, and that's why I'm liable to death penalty. That's the suggestion. Maybe I'll just read it very quickly together with you. Says the Gemara, as the Beraita says, What's his reasoning? As the Pasuk says, That's the Pasuk I told you about when two men fight. Azar and Azar establishes Bimasut Shebimitahakatu Midaber. Yinatsu means to fight. Matsut means a fight. The fight is with the intention of killing. How do you know it's with the intention of killing? Dikhtib, because after all the Pasuk says, the Imason if you kill the woman, if you actually end up killing, you end up giving your life. You don't give your life if you didn't have intention to kill. Nonetheless, Amarahmana, the Torah tells us, if you don't kill the woman, but rather the children, 
who are internal and as a result envision not as a living organism to the extent that you lose your life, Anoshi Anesh, you have are punished to pay. If you're to tell me that in a circumstance where I can be saved in a way other than by killing me, I'm not allowed to be killed. That's the circumstance where I'll have to pay for the babies. That's the suggestion here for Bionatamichol. We'll return to this on Monday. Amen. Amen.